0: 2nd Peter 2.16 Yes, we're starting different today because it's a different kind of Shabbat. Today I'm going to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. There are alchemists that have crept in amongst us. I'm going to smear that Jamaican jam all over you Torah hippies' face. Those mutton jobs are going to get very sticky today. We're going to offend some people. You've got to crack a few heads when there are alchemists that have snuck in amongst us. In fact, there's too much flora and way too much fauna that I'm starting to stinketh. And the problem is, people are using their liberty as a cloak for vice. You're not acting as servants of Elohim. You're acting more like servants of Haile Selassie. It is unbelievable the things that we come across in the last days. So, today, my brethren, stay tuned. I hope you can stay awake with those bloodshot eyes because today this teaching is about those Torah hippies, love me or hate me, I'm going to teach you some hard truths about the Bible. So choke that down your pipe and smoke it. and greetings to the 12 hippies stoned abroad. Yes, you heard me right. It's going to be a little bit of a bumpy road for you today. But this teaching, I pray, the purpose is to sober you up and prayerfully bring you back into the fold. You've become secularized. You're no different than the world, and it needs to be called out because I'm not Going to listen to the silliness and folly that people try to layer and hide behind the word with their license to sin. So, today, delve into a little bit of a teaching because it is written, brethren, my sobriety, it is for your cause. Sobriety, it is for your cause. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of our blessed salvation. It is so important in these days, that we remain vigilant, that we remain sober of good behavior, of good report, given to hospitality, apt to teach, and be sober-minded. So if, and it is a big if, some of you bohemians out there, if you can keep the matchsticks opening your eyes, you can wipe away the tears and all the bloodshot and not fall asleep on your couch with your potato chips through this teaching because you've got the munchies, then maybe we could address the alchemist among us. How are you going to remain sober if you're taking psychoactives? How's it going to happen? It's not going to happen at all. How can you be of a sound mind if you take psychoactives? If you're under the influence of psychoactives? Who are you kidding? Not me. You are living no more like a secular person than those from the hedgerows and those from the wayward paths these are the practices of alchemy there is nothing new under the sun even though people think that we've come out with new laws and we have new liberties it is called alchemy masquerading behind verses of scripture 1 peter chapter 5 verse 8 it is written be sober be vigilant because your adversary, Satan, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. How? By act- accessing portals, by accessing gateways, those familiar spirits that you opened up in your early years, and now you think, because laws have changed, that you have license like the heathen to act like the heathen. But you're forgetting of the portals that you opened up in your younger, younger years. How do I know such things? Because I used to be one like those in the hedgerows and the hippies. Because it says here in 1 Corinthians 10 and the 23rd verse, all things in Torah law are for me. But all things are not expedient. All things in Torah law are for me, but all things edify not. This is very important for us as believers to understand. Let me give you an example. The patriarchs had multiple wives. It is permitted. It had a purpose. There were limited protections for women, and this is how the people of the period placed protections upon women. It had a purpose. It was a limited purpose. But it has a purpose still today. What, for example, would happen if a Mohammedan was converted, came to know Yahusha? and he brought along with him his family and his three wives. Well, the traditional Christian church would say, well, you've got to get rid of two of those wives because it's not allowed, and they would become destitute, and so would their children. There is a provision in the Torah of that you would allow the man to come as he is into the household of faith there is a particular provision and a purpose for it. It is the protection and welfare of the family unit. But he hasn't made provision, Yahuwah. He hasn't made provision for your Western male to cloak himself in Hugh Hefner's robe, has he? Now, that's the difference. Yahuwah has not made provision for us to cloak ourselves in a robe of perversion and dabble around in plural marriage. Because that would be vice. We would be hiding behind the scriptures for the purpose of vice, not implementing the scripture for the safety and welfare of the family unit or women in particular. Do you see how all things in Torah are lawful but not all things edify. All things in Torah are lawful, but not everything is expedient for you. There are limitations and restrictions, and we cannot use the Torah unlawfully so that we can live in vice. There's a difference. Why I want to give you this introduction is so as I pedal forward into the Word, we can see the foundation of how we must implement the word justice must be administered justly. It cannot be abused. You see, there are always going to be ends of the spectrum. There are always going to be extremes of the spectrum where things are permissible, but they are not expedient for 95% of believers. 95% of the time, 95% of the time, they are not going to edify 95% of the believers. Most men don't need to save the other woman from human trafficking or a life of harlotry. Most men don't need to do that, do they? no and most men aren't coming to yahusha from a Muhammadian background with a herd of hijabis following behind them are they no that's just the end of the spectrum the small percentage the majority they're not living and coming from that type of background so alchemy is what i want to talk about and expose today alchemy in fact, it's an Arabic word, alchemy. Alchemists, they attempted to purify, mature and perfect materials to create an elixir of good health and immortality. Elixirs that were able to cure any disease. Elixirs that could perfect your human body and bring it into alignment with the creator. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, this is alchemy. This is alchemy. And the whole goal of alchemy would be to achieve alchemist gnosis, the ultimate knowledge, the ultimate esoteric knowledge of the creator. And there they would gain the philosopher's stone. But you and I, we just read it last week. We're not supposed to be seeking and searching the philosopher's stone. Surely, Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, you and I are to be those that inherit the white stone. It's totally different because you're to be pure and undefiled by the alchemists that have snuck in amongst us and sometimes you have to crack some eggs to make an omelet and today we're going to crack some heads so that we can hopefully gather in some of those lost sheep from the house of israel so magic mythology and a defiled religion i have seen creeping in to the feasts of yahuwah trying to creep in amongst us under the robe of health and vitality and who doesn't want to be healthy and who doesn't want vitality i for sure do but i will look unto the ruach hakodesh the holy spirit of yahweh and seek and search the bible in its truths and i will weigh justice with mercy and justice must be administrated justly. It cannot be corrupted by merchants of alchemy. It's so important. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 29. Yahweh told Adam and Eve at the very beginning of creation, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. For food. Now, later on, we find in the Book of the Covenant part of Torah, Yahuwah specifically stipulates that the green plant is given for food in Genesis chapter 9, verse 3. Yahuwah limited edible plants to those that are green and those that would propagate seed. So Those plants that either lack chlorophyll or those plants that lack seed or both are called into question. Quite honestly, I like shiitake mushrooms, but I've often struggled with mushrooms. Why? And I'm not talking magic mushrooms. I did actually struggle with those in my early 20s. So I have a history of abuse in Psychoactives. so I am actually qualified to speak because Yahusha delivered me from that lifestyle and now I feel that we have to speak into the lives of those that are going back like a dog to their vomit of what they used to do in yesteryear under the guise of the new laws that have been brought in and reality strikes, alchemy amongst us. You see, Yahweh told Noah that clean animals, of course, were to go aboard the ark by sevens, but he was to limit the unclean to two. Now, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 2, Noah had to know the difference between the two. Therefore, we know there is a distinction from the very beginning between tahor, what is clean, and tameh, what is unclean. Noah, of course, knew the clean food laws. That is obvious from the reading of the text. Genesis chapter 9, verse 3. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now doth give you everything. Now, the knee-jerk reaction to this, of course, in the traditional Christian church is Everything, everything. But let's qualify this because everything is defined by the change from a plant only diet to a new diet consisting of plants and the animals. That is the all encompassing everything here. But that doesn't mean that you could eat every animal any more than you could actually eat every kind of plant. I mean, let's be real here. This is really talking about the distinction and the qualification, specifically Genesis chapter 1, verse 30. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. This is the passage concerning, of course, the original vegetable diet. But did Yahuwah later make a concession his permissive will after the fall and allow animals to come into the diet? Yes. Every green herb, though, doesn't mean every single existing green herb, does it? Because it means every green herb that is obviously appropriate for food. You can't really think that Noah and Adam and the patriarchs were snacking. Oh, let's have a poison berry salad. Let's have some foxglove, shall we? Let's have some uh, poison ivy in our salad. No, so not every green herb was for food. You still had to use your common sense and distinguish between what is appropriate and what is not. Genesis chapter six, verse 21. And take thou unto thee, of all the food that is eaten and gather it to thee and it shall be food for thee and for them. So Noah here is commanded to take all the edible foods into the ark. So then not every green herb was edible. You see the qualification? Not every green herb was edible. Only every green herb given for food not the poison berries not the poison ivy my wife isn't here today because she's at home suffering from poison oak because my little Levi was up in the back pasture and he's got it all over him and he snuggled up to his mother and it was all in his hair and it's all she's broken out And these little kids of mine have grown up amongst poison ivy. So they've got a very good immunity to it, especially Moshe. Levi's is pretty good as well. But my wife didn't grow up amongst the poison ivy. Meaning, look, you can't just whitewash everything to fit your theology because you want to eat everything and you want to unjustly or misappropriate the scriptures. All that to say this, the text says that we should be able to eat every plant that bears seed and every green thing. Some things are profitable and others are not. Other times, the manner we appropriate it does actually make all the difference, doesn't it? That's how we must balance things with maturity. For one example, foxglove will kill in small amounts. But it also, in minuscule amounts, does actually have medical benefits. Now, let's go to the sheep verse of the alchemists amongst us. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 30 and the 22nd verse. Yahuwah commands Israel here to make a special anointing oil with which to anoint both the tabernacle and the priesthood. And here's the sheep verse of the alchemists. Moreover, Yahuwah spoke to Moshe saying, Also, take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane. We'll camp out on that word right there, sweet-smelling cane. 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. <laughs> That's not much olive oil. And you shall make for these a set-apart anointing oil, An ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a set-apart anointing oil. So, here's the sheet verse, but let's now break it down. Because the set-apart anointing oil, it does, in fact, contain a herb. And the herb is called cannabosum. Kana bosum. It's spelt kof, noon, khay, bet, sheen, mem, sofit. Kana bosom. Now, this translates into fragrant cane or sweet-smelling cane. But the problem is, you Bible stoners out there, man, it... <laughs> like cannabis doesn't it (laughs) yeah and that's the problem see because I remember being a stoner and I know those conversations and how they happen and that's how people think cannabosum hey dude that sounds like cannabis free ride Bible permits me being a stoner. Hang on a minute. Let's really break here and see if that stoner analogy actually works instead of hiding behind familiarity. Instead of hiding behind the word, which to me is dishonorable unto the king of kings because I am commanded to live a sober life. And the scripture sobers us up. It does not give us license. It is here for a specific purpose, to deliver us from iniquity, sin, and death. And the biggest sin and death of all is our own vices. Nowhere does it say, I know people want it to say that, but it does not say anywhere. In, Thou shalt taketh the cannabis bosom, you shall taketh it and roll it up in the finest King Jimmy parchment and smoke it. it there isn't a verse that says that anywhere in the Bible. Think about it. Six pounds of ganja steeped in Less than two gallons of olive oil. This would be seriously potent. That then you're telling me that six pounds of ganja steeped in two gallons of olive oil is then going to be poured over the head of the Cohen Haggadah and seep into his skin and permeate his... Is that the kind of Elohim that we serve? That is into acting with psychoactives upon the high priesthood? That sounds like corruption to me. Because if this was so, then the high priest would be absorbing so much THC that the effect of this oil soaking into his body would have been nuts. Absolutely nuts. Let alone if it was lit up as incense inside the tent. And this is what some people, the alchemists amongst us, want you and me to believe. Well, just track with me. Now, this cannabosum, is mentioned five times in Scripture. Exodus chapter 30, verse 23. The Songs of Songs, chapter 4, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 24. Jeremiah 6:20, 20. And of course, Ezekiel chapter 27, verse 19. We're looking at Tyre or Lebanese black, according to the alchemists. Let's go back to the tabernacle here. Did you forget, because I think a lot of people did, did you forget the commandment to Aaron? You know, the high priest and his successors. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 9, drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. So sobriety was a must for those coming into the presence of Yahuwah. An absolute must. This makes the claim that it was in the anointing oil even more ridiculous. That Yahuwah commanded large amounts of pot to be burning in the very Holy place within the tent to be dumped over the Kohen Haggadah so all the THC could soak into his body and corrupt his mind with psychoactives. Do you, you really want me to believe that? Because this is what the alchemists amongst us want you and I to believe. I mean, Weigh it. Measure it. Sure, Yahweh says, no, I do not want you to drink any strong drink at all on pain of death. But go ahead. <laughs> Inhale deeply. Really? I think not. First of all, it has to be pointed out, the holy oil, even if, and I mean, it's, it's a massive whopper of an if, even if, as some would say it is, is cannabis, it was still only for use with the temple priests, wasn't it? It was highly restricted. Highly restricted, meaning it had a limited practice. It was not for public use. It was not for wholesale public use, even if it is, as the alchemists say, it still was not for public use. It was strictly forbidden to replicate. It was only for a limited purpose on pain of banishment. So this wholesale idea, this full-spectrum THC nonsense hiding under the veil of scripture is now going to come unraveled. Hopefully, if you can stay awake. So, it means nothing more than this. Nothing more than fragrant reed, fragrant cane, a stem. I don't care if you like Hebrew. I don't care if you like Greek. You cannot... Introduce your own presuppositions, agendas, and biases reading dope into the text. You just can't read. That's called eisegesis. We need to extract what's actually in the text, exegesis, not introduce our own thoughts, opinions, and agendas into the text. This really... In reality, this could be absolutely anything from the Gramineae posea family, which is a particular grass family in that region. Phragametes Australis, from where we get the Greek word phragma, meaning a fence, a screen, a hedge from the habit of hedgerow or hedge like grow from ditches. Because oftentimes, don't you see fences made out of reeds? And reeds tended to be straight and therefore they became synonymous with a measurement, did they not? You see, this is the reality of that word when you break it down, whether it's in the Greek, whether it is in the Hebrew. So these hash heads, they they need to sober up, otherwise they'll actually end up in the hedgerows and the ditches, and that's the problem. You see, the Hebrew word here in the breakdown is cane. In the Latin, cana, which means read. In the Greek, Kana, which means reed, in the Akkadian, Kana, which means reed, in the Aramaic, Aramaic Kanya, in the Araba- Arabic, excuse me, Kana, and all of them means a stem, a cane, a stalk, a reed from this particular Graminea, Posea, Phragametes australis, grass family that grows within the region. It could be anything from that family, meaning a fence, a screen, or a hedge. Now, the Septuagint does actually translate this word as calamus, calamus, which then is in turn is taken up by the King Jimmy. But the hard reality is, and people want to sidestep this, but the hard reality is not a single scholarly, biblical, Hebrew lexicon in the whole world connects the two words. I mean, not one cannabosum with cannabis. Not one. So where does it come from? I mean, nowhere does it say, thou shalt take this cannabosum herb and roll it in fine parchment and setteth it alight. And smoketh it it doesn't say that nowhere does it say thou shalt distill this down into fine oil and rub it all over thy body so that the THC and psychoactives can come into your brain nowhere does it say this whatsoever the Hebrew we see the word passed over from the Hebrew into the Greek, into the Latin, and into the languages of Western Europe. Since, of course, like I said, reeds ended up generally being straight and long, so they were often used as measuring rods. And from this concept, we get the reed coming in to mean a standard. A standard, ultimately, it meant an authoritative standard or law. It wasn't until Eliezer ben Yehuda, who is actually the father of modern Hebrew, that you get this nonsense. He's the one that initially floated this idea of cannabosum being cannabis. This is the father of modern Hebrew, and so we will now connect to where the root of this alchemy in the 21st century comes from? Of course, it comes from Eliezer Ben Yehuda in the beginning of the 20th century. And it was later then, that standard was then later taken up by a Polish Jew, Ashkenazi called Sula Bennett. She happened to be a Polish anthropologist and she carried on with the Mary Jane connection in the 20th century. So the root of this farce, as always, as always, look, it's this simple. It is a Scythian hypothesis. It's a Scythian hypothesis. What do I mean by that? The Scythians, we know, participated in both trade wars and long wars alongside the ancient Semites for at least one millennium before Herodotus. And he encountered them in the 5th century before the Common Era. They were known to the Greeks as Scythians. But to the Semites, they were known as Ashkenans. That's where this alchemy hypothesis comes from. You've been bewitched by Ashkenans. Do you not see? Most probably not, because there's too much psychoactive THC going through your brain. Now, let's break this down even further, because it really is about broad brush strokes here, the bigger problem that we have in the believing householders' faith in these last days. Those that do fall prey to the dope ice Jesus, they do actually fall. And they fall because they want to prove their pre-held point of concern, which is to validate or license their behavior. And, of course, this tabernacle verse with the anointing oil is their go-to verse, providing, of course, their confirmation bias corresponding with their pre-held agenda, And, of course, their pre-held agenda is they're major stoners, or they used to be. So I'm not into stoner hippies, okay? And I'm not into stoner hippies showing up at the feasts with bloodshot eyes. I'm just not into it, okay? I did that in my 20s with secular heathens. I'm not going to do it now. Go, go find some commune somewhere and, and peddle your wares. I mean, let's be real. Their weed hypothesis is highly subjective. They're paranoid eisegesics. And I mean that in a derogatory term. I really do. You see, we can go on to Ezekiel 27, because, of course, this will be another of proof text. And in Ezekiel 27... You can turn there in the 17th verse. Yahuwah explains the burden against Tyre. You see, Judah and Israel traded with Tyre, and among the merchandise traded, we find, what do we find? Wine and cane. We find this kana, kuf nun chay. From the sheep verse, back in the tabernacle, But this could be absolutely anything. This could be a bunch of cane. This could be a bunch of reeds. This could be branches. It's actually more likely to be papyrus. Way more likely to be a reed called papyrus on which was great value and in the context of the Bible and the ancient writings makes a lot more sense. This isn't your Afghan black and your Jamaican jam that the alchemists want it to be. You see, the stoner's supporting verse comes from Ezekiel 27, verse 17. Judah and the land of Israel were your traders. They traded for your merchandise, wheat of millet, honey, oil, and balm. Damascus was your merchant, because of the abundance of goods you made, because of your luxury items. With your wine of Heblon and with your white wool, Dan and Javan paid for your wares, traversing back and traversing forth. Wrought iron and cassia and cane. There's your cane, Hebrew, kana, kof, nun he the sheep verse again Cain was amongst your merchandise so as they take another drop of the THC rich oil or toke on the bong roll another doobie hey man look this was traded this was really important and then they go to Isaiah 43 to try and validate vice even more. And this is where Yahweh's reproach is against Judah and Ephraim for not having brought him any of this good cane, the stoners say. See, Yahuwah's telling them off because he wanted his ganja and, and, and they didn't bring it to him. At this point, I think you're serving a totally different Elohim than the one I know. Because the one I know delivered me from that type of vice and lifestyle as a secular man and brought me into the abundant blessings that I have today of a clear and sober mind, being able to discern by the Holy Spirit, I don't need psychoactives to activate my faith. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid Isaiah 43 in the 22nd verse. But you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have been wary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have bought me no dope, the alchemists say. No, this is Cana. It could be any reed product. A measuring rod. Papyrus. Look at the text and extract the information from what the text says. Do not put your own stoner ideas into the Bible. It's wrong. I don't want to hear it. I'm tired of it, and I'm tired of looking at glassy, bloodshot eyes. Paranoia. Is he offended with me? Oh, oh, dude, you're paranoid. You've got so much THC running through your system, you're paranoid. Clean your life up. And I can be authoritative on this because I have been delivered from that particular vice. When I was 13 years old all the way until I was 24, I woke and woke, bake, wake and bake. I've even forgot how you say it. Wake and bake every day. And then when I got delivered, I got saved. When I was 24 years old, I had the emotional maturity of a 13-year-old. Because every time I was happy, I got stoned. Every time I was sad, I got stoned. Every time I was emotional, I got stoned. Every time I was angry, I got stoned. So then when you take away the vice, you're left as an emotional cripple, stunted. Because the portals of your mind have been polluted and corrupted. And I see these 60-year-old children, children who haven't moved on from the pain, from the hurt and the brokenness in your lives. And you think you're gonna walk right into the kingdom, not until you go back to where you broke. I have empathy but I also have a righteous indignation that you alchemists are trying to steal people's joy by blowing their mind with THC through all of your oils, vapes, and tinctures. It's alchemy, pure and simple. You need to repent, and you need to seek first the kingdom of Yahweh. Sobriety, holiness, Pureness, an undefiled religion. The stoners say here, of course, in Isaiah 5:43, that Yahuwah is bringing about an end to the man-made prohibitions on the good Cain. I mean, really, that's what they're saying. Hey, this is 2020. This is biblical prophecy. Marijuana is legal. He's bringing an end to the (laughs) Wow. And you wonder why I'm mocking at this point. Because it is stupidity. Noodle bakes. And they've most probably been filling those noodle bakes with weed. And I know, because I used to do that. You know, the hash cookies, the hash bakes. Oh, yeah, I used to do that. But psychoactives are not part of the kingdom of Yahuwah. We know that old seed-bearing plants were given to us for food, but that doesn't necessarily mean that old seed-bearing plants are given to us to smoke, to vape, or to rub all over our bodies, does it? Yes, Yahuwah does allow us to drink alcohol. But he doesn't permit drunkenness. And yet we see people wanting to cloak themselves in scripture so that they can continue in vice. Mind out of control, substance use is substance abuse. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 1. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant valleys, to those who are overcome with wine. Behold, Yahweh has a mighty and strong one, like a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing. Who will bring them down to the earth with his hand? The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim will be trampled underfoot. In First Peter chapter four, verse seven, we are admonished how to live. We are admonished, admonished, excuse me, how to behave. and you can't be sober if you're consuming psychoactives, THC. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayer life. And I understand that there's a whole group now that are going to be all upset. But that's okay. Because things are progressing. And as the secular world goes one direction, the believers of Yahuwah need to go another. So let's talk about a few things and then those of you in the chat post some questions and we'll see if I can help with the answer navigating through this topic. Something that, of course, is going to come up is CBD, okay? CBD. Now, there's a huge difference, there's a huge difference for medical use and medicinal products versus recreational use and dispensary sales. Okay? There's a huge difference between CBD and THC. Because THC is a psychoactive that opens up portals to the occult realm. So... That is magic. It is alchemy when THC is involved. You also have to weigh it with who you are and where you come from. Do you come from a lifestyle of recreational drug use? Did you used to partake of marijuana in your earlier years? Then you have no business messing around with THC in your latter years, because you have already burnt through your chips. You've already burnt through your chips. You don't have the options that other people that don't have that history may have. Now, CBD and grape juice, they do not affect your sobriety, do they? Whereas we can see that things in the scripture are weighted. Whereas THC and port or wine do affect sobriety and with them can open portals. Now with alcohol, it has to be in excess, which is called drunkenness, which is prohibited within the Bible. With THC, even a minuscule, even a minuscule amount, just a milligram or under a milligram is enough in its mind-bending abilities to open up spiritism of magnetic portals. So you have to look at these things. Now, there's an old saying, you can't understand someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. I know somebody whose son was diagnosed with brain cancer. They drilled into his brain. A young boy. Chemotherapy. He was in a dreadful state. Now his parents, he's a secular person, a secular family, but his parents have now started dosing him with CBD and THC. And the dad said yes. He he is stoned. But it's amazing what's happening in his life. He's he's healed. He's able to go back to school. That is the 5% end of the spectrum. Thankfully, 95% of us are not in that death door dire straits and predicament. We're not at the end of the spectrum. And the people that are using this alchemy for vice, they are generally not at the end of the spectrum. Like I say, I haven't walked in those shoes. I'm not going to judge. And there are very many medical people that do say, okay. But for the believer who is trying to live healthy with vitality, that is not at death's door with brain cancer, then there is no business dabbling around in the extremes. There is no business dabbling around in the extremes and using the 5% to justify the 95%. is what I'm saying. There are always going to be extremes of the spectrum where things are permissible. But going back to our verse in Corinthians, they are not expedient for 95% of us, 95% of the time. But sometimes Yahuwah, and this just shows you His goodness, His mercy, His long-suffering, His love. Yahuwah makes a way for the 5% and it does edify and it does help. But you can't take what is meant for the 5% and misappropriate it because of your vice. And that's what I see. That's what I see. I saw it in the messianic movement with patriarchal marriage, and now I see it sneaking amongst us the alchemists. It's the same vein. You're not in the 5%, yet you're using that as vice. It's the same vein. And it needs to stop because I am not going to go to another feast and look at bloodshot eyes with paranoid people coming up to me because they've got THC absorbing in through their bodies, through oils, gummies, and smokes. It's not appropriate. I don't want to be around it. I spent my years at boarding school around it and I don't want to do it I have chosen a different path and it shocks me to come across the same thing that I navigated through 30 years ago and to find it front up in my face and people trying to justify it through the Bible but like I say Yahweh is compassionate and merciful and to 5% out there I haven't walked in their shoes THC, CBD, cancer, brain cancer. If it can give somebody a life, peace. I'm not to judge that. That's Yahoo's infinite mercy. But THC and pot is substance abuse for 95% of those within the spectrum. Most of the time, it's just like the whoremonger who implemented patriarchal marriage, nothing more than using the Bible as a cloak for vice. I see through it, and today's teaching is so that all of us could see through it clearly and hold our brothers and sisters to a higher standard, a measuring reed. It was a reed, a measuring reed. Not your Jamaican jam. These brute beasts, are usually paranoid, they are usually isolated, they are usually just one step away from the hedgerows and the ditches because they eisegesite their way over to another bowl, another gummy, another droppy of oil, and they are not functioning at their full potential because their mind is cloaked in psychoactives and it has opened portals of paranoia into the occult realm. So in conclusion, you'll have a hard time for fulfilling the biblical mandate to be sober and vigilant, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, while smoking a joint, won't you? You're going to have a hard time fulfilling the biblical mandate to be sober and vigilant, while you're dousing yourself with psychoactive oil and living in the gateways of other realms inhabited by demons. Disembodied spirits that want to take refuge in your psychoactive, corrupted mind. I have no problem with CBD. But even that, you have got to do your due diligence. You, sh- you can't be going to dispensaries. You need to be buying. Uh, if it's going to be CBD and there are health benefits, then it needs to be third-party verified by an independent lab that it doesn't have THC in it. It needs to be organic. It needs to have be non-GMO. It needs to be extracted by a proper method. And I, you know, it's different than if you go. To a dispensary, because you have not, usually no third-party, independent lab testing it. Okay, so I have no problem with CBD. Sometimes, there—I mean, there's there's huge examples of how it does benefit the health. But again, even if you do take that, you just don't go down to the dispensary and get it. It needs to be third-party, independently verified, no GMOs, no THC, and organic. That is my opinion, and that is an opinion. You can take it or leave it, but it doesn't have the psychoactive qualities. It does just have the good qualities to it. So anyway, I'm not going to be fooled by the Torah hippies the alchemists amongst us. So let's open up some questions and uh, see what we've got. I mean, I'm sure my phone is absolutely gone nuts. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm not going to be able to get through all these. Oh! All right, here we go. All right, which camera are we on? Oh, we righty, all righty, all right. Okay. Okay. Ah. All right, so this question, to all of you brethren out there on the chat, this is from Constantly Questioning. So are they shunning... Me- hang on. All right, let's try that again. Oh. Okay, so this is Constantly Questioning. So are they shunning medical marijuana patients? Like I said, no. You're 5% on the end of the spectrum that have a disease at death's door? No. But 95% of us aren't on the end of the spectrum. We, if you choose to use CBD, do as I have said and make sure that you do it with good stewardship without the psychoactives. So let's try another one okay this one is from B Wayne what about cane sugar sugar is a drug consumed by all it destroys your body well that's an excellent excellent point I mean I do I used to do sugar in my tea I don't I really like monk fruit but again these are my opinions And yes, I mean, diabetes is a real thing, and it is a killer as well. So you have to be careful, for sure and for certain. Okay, this question is from Stacey Bennett. Question for Matthew. Do you deny the medical healing properties of cannabis? Again, um, do you reject all natural herbal medicines? I am a big supporter of natural medicine a big supporter of natural medicine. And again, let's look at this as a distinction between CBD, which is non-psychoactive, and THC, which is psychoactive. That's what I'm talking about. You cannot deny any of you that have been stoners, like I once was. The psychoactive quality of THC spiritually opens up portals into the demonic realm. Now, why would you want to do that? Now, if you're genuinely at death's door, heaven forbid, with brain cancer, and that is your only option, that or dying, then I haven't walked down that road. I haven't put those boots on. That is not my place to judge. I'm just giving you the reality of the dangers of THC. And in my years... It's the 95% that are on the THC that come to the feasts, bloodshot eyes, that shouldn't be doing it. So I'm a great proponent of natural, healthy medicine. I do not like pharmakia. I do not like pharmakia. So again, great question, great question. Oh, there's a lot here. Let's see what we got here. What if you cannot sleep because of hormones and you take a bit to sleep? I think if you have problems sleeping that if you decide that you want to try and take some CBD, go ahead and do it. I'm not advocating that, but if you want to, but be cautious. I'm not a medical doctor. I can't advise you obviously, but There are many, many studies that CBD, that is non-psychoactive, and as believers, we have to acknowledge there is a spiritual component to this. Okay? I was dead, and now I'm alive. And when I was dead, I was heavily under the influence of psychoactives. I'm alive. I know there's a spiritual component. You can argue with me, but I know. I have walked in those shoes. I know. THC has a psychoactive component to it that opens up the spiritual demonic portals in your mind. If you're having problems sleeping, then I would say a third-party verified CBD with no THC, non-GMO, organic, may be a great option for such a person. And I think that that is totally righteous. Okay, so let's see. Uh, this one is shot from. Sorry if I mispronounced this. Sharabeth Yar. Question: If the THC is wrong and it is considered alchemy, then how is taking any how is taking any pain medicine from doctors okay? Well, again, that's something you'll have to struggle with. I'm very wary of taking pain medicine. Any medicines. I mean, we have all seen it. I mean, I had my appendix out years ago, and I had hydrocodone. You know? Very, very, very um, dangerous stuff. You know, if you have a genuine medical um, concern, I say, and and your doctor recommends something, you get on it and you try and get off of it. And if there's a natural um, alternative, then try the natural alternative. But sometimes, you know, when there is a cutting of the flesh or a burning of the flesh and surgery, then there is a time and a place for those things. But to stay on them has definitely, I would question that. I would. So again... These are not easy questions. I do not have the answer for all of it, but I do know that THC and psychoactives for 95% of us, 95% of the time, is unacceptable, unacceptable. And that you cannot find that in the Bible unless you are an expert in eisegesis implementing your own ideas into the text. Because when I extract out of that, I see reads. I see papyrus. I see a family from the grass family native to the area of Israel. I do not see a license for sin. So, again, let's have a look and see. Oh, this is interesting, isn't it? This one is from Brian. Brian Price, Shabbat Shalom Brian. Is the Wuhan... Ah, is the Wuhan... Coronarius part of the plagues should we be scared oh oh that's a different subject off oh, i think we live in absolutely crazy times i would not be going on pa- going on a, a thomas cook holiday to china right about now and um i i think that it's uh fascinating is it one of the plagues i don't think so at this point, but we will discover a little further. Maybe by the time we get to the plagues, we'll, I'll have to reconsider that, which will only be a few weeks away. Yahoo are <laughs> willing, and I pray that he is. This, I like this person's name. This is from JB Salt Triple Zero. JB Salt Triple Zero. Questions for the chat Are we to avoid alcoholic drinks at all? Not shot of whiskey, not for me. I have lost all desire to drink strong drinks. I just want to understand and be able to explain to others. Well, I think if you've lost all desire to drink strong drinks, great amen to you. You're going to be in a very good position. The Bible does, of course, allow drink, um, wine, and even strong drink. But it is all to be done under the protections of the word, which is to avoid the ends of the spectrum, which is drunkenness and folly. Now, of course, people again use this for license because it does say in the Torah that you can save up your tithe and you can then bring strong drink to the feasts. Now, in the time, in times past, we've had people that have taken that literally. And, you know, the feasts are not Today, when there is literally a liquor store on every corner, that is not what we're talking about. This was talking in the context of the Bible, in the context of the history and the agricultural society and nomadic society within which they lived. I think to misapply that to the 20th and 21st century when there is a liquor store on every corner is totally inappropriate. So, again, you have to steward your ship with all righteousness. A little drink, if you so desire, but it must be done responsibly. So, again, here's one from Mickey. Mickey, would you agree that depression is a disease? I have friends that use weed to treat their depression. I would say die out to your flesh and learn to trust Yah, would you add anything to that? I would add something to that. And I would say, don't take counsel from THC. Take counsel and comfort from the Holy Spirit. Depression is an affliction of the soul and the spirit. It is not a disease. It is an affliction of of your soul and spiritual condition that needs to be healed by the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And if you then put in place of the Holy Spirit a plant to give you comfort, then you're never going to find the deliverance. This is from Julia. Julia. Are you referring to what is sometimes referred to as the sacred plant, organic or otherwise? That's what the stoners are saying. Exodus in the tabernacle is the sacred plant, is the canna Yes, it is cannabis, but then they're saying it's cannabis. I say that that is inserting your own ideas into the text. The text is not saying that at all. It is a... A reed. It is a grass-like plant. You're not going to get that interpretation until the beginning of the 20th century. It came from the inventor of modern Hebrew and then picked up by a Polish anthropologist. Again, its origins go back to Ashkenaz. So anyway, this is a, this is a great, great topic. Let's see. We've got one more question here. This is from Jeff Dion Bible Teachings. Explain Hebrews 7, 8. I think it says Hebrews 7, 8. Is that present tense? Does he receive tithe in heaven or is it mistranslated? Was tithe done after the Levite priesthood finished? But tithe 430 years before law. Your thoughts on this. So this is a different topic, but we'll have a little look at it. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. Let's have a look here. See what it says. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth and as I may to say Levi also received tithes who paid tithes in Abraham for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him if therefore perfection were under the Levitical priesthood for under it people received the law what further need was there for another priest so yeah this is basically I think people often have questions about the tithe. The tithe, um, the Hebrew word there is ma'aser and its first reference is, of course, when Abraham met with Melchizedek and a tithe, the ma'aser is a tenth of all, whereas the terumah was an offering and you see that in Corinthians, a love offering or an offering which you would give freely of all that was in your heart. Those are distinct and different. So then under the transference in the book of the law, the tithe was separated into um, its giving between the priests and how it was given. But now, of course, under the Melchizedek and the book of Hebrews, we go back, of course, to the tithe at its first mention, ma'aser, a tenth of all. So yes, the tithe is still for us today, especially specifically under the Malkitzedic priesthood. But there's also the free will, love offering, or the terumah where you would give, give willingly of your what was in your heart, which of course we see that in the construction of the tabernacle. I hope that this is edifying. This is not to condemn. It is really my hope to help bring people back from the brink. And I know the temptations of the flesh. I have them, we all have them. But we must overcome those temptations. And again, the 5% on the end of the spectrum doesn't justify 95% of us inserting our ideas into the Bible when the Bible clearly, in no Hebrew lexicon that is of any value, does it associate cannabosum with cannabis? It is an invention of the alchemists. So be careful out there. The world is perilous and we live in perilous times. Please give us some thumbs up if you like this video. Do subscribe to the channel and consider supporting this ministry with the tithe, the maaser, because we appreciate all of you out there that do tune in share the videos, like us, subscribe, and we will catch you, Yahuwah willing, with a clear and sober mind next Shabbat. Hashem,